Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hello, everyone. I'm Monica Reinagel, and this is episode number 573 of the Nutrition Diva podcast. Welcome. This week's show happens to coincide with National Senior Health and Fitness Day, which is on May 27th. And in fact, the entire month of May has been designated as Older Americans Month. Although that does beg the question, older than what? Older than whom? But joining me today to talk about healthy aging is Dr. Christine Rosenblum. Dr. Rosenblum is a registered dietitian and a nutrition professor emerita of Georgia State University in Atlanta, where she taught and held various administrative positions over her 30-year university career. And now, since retiring, Chris has written a book called Food and Fitness After 50 with Dr. Bob Murray, and she continues to blog about healthy eating at chrisrosenblum.com. Chris, welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Monica. It's great to talk to you. So we've all heard the jokes about 50 being the new 30 and 70 being the new 50 and and so on. And as we age, I think it's natural that what we think of as old does seem to keep moving. So it's always just a little bit older than us. But at the same time, I do see some truth to this. The baby boomers and the Gen X generations to which you and I belong do seem to be aging differently than our parents and grandparents did. We have different expectations of what it means to get older. And to a certain extent, we are experiencing middle and old age differently. Why do you think this is? Have we gotten better at aging or is this just a state of mind or attitude? I think it's a combination of many things. One of those is that we are living longer. And so as our life expectancy has increased, And, you know, when you're 65, if you reach 65, your life expectancy is another 20 years. So I think as people realize, I've got a lot more years ahead of me when they reach their 60s, you know, they're thinking about what can I do with fitness? What can I do with my diet? Uh, What can I do to stay healthy, Uh, including some of the preventive services? We know some of the medications and surgeries that people have help to keep them alive and help to keep them active. You know, I, for one, have had a hip replacement. But now that keeps me really active and I can do things that I wasn't able to do before. So I think it's a combination of many things. And of course, mindset always plays a part in that. Yeah, we're not ready to just sit down and start rocking on the porch anymore when we retire from our careers. Like you've launched a whole new career after your 30-year university career. Right. Absolutely. And I I saw one author say, instead of giving somebody a rocking chair when they retire, give them a great pair of running or walking shoes. It'll (laughs) help them get active. Give them a Y membership, you know, things to keep us really active. So so I think uh, a lot of those things have changed uh, for many of us in the population. 
are there parts of it that we might be getting wrong out of our unwillingness to to go gently into old age? <laughs> are we more likely to be injuring ourselves or over-exercising in this quest to stay young? You know, I, I, I don't see that too much. I think people are being pretty uh, careful with it. I mean, there are always some in any age group that push themselves uh, too hard or don't give themselves enough time to recover and mm. repair after hard exercise. But I think for the most part, um, I see people that are doing things that they enjoy. Um, so they may not be running marathons anymore, although there's some that certainly are, but they may get a lot of out of gardening and working in their yard. And that can be a great physical activity as well. Um, so I think people do recognize um, you know, my limitations, I'm never going to be Usain Bolt, you know, I'm not going to be able to run that fast, um, but I can still be active and still enjoy it. So I think there comes a time where it's less about competition and maybe more a little about, about the enjoyment of it as well. Hmm. I think sometimes when people do retire, let's say from their first careers, they actually have more time to devote to fitness or activities that they enjoy, uh, that they may actually be able to make it a bigger priority in their life and get a little bit more traction than maybe they could when they were really in the thickest part of their professional lives. Now, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm in a small rural community in North Georgia, and um, the local Y is quite, quite the hotbed of <laughs> activities, whether it's people doing TRX or playing pickleball or doing group fitness classes. Um, people are really enjoying that and they have time to do it. And I don't even know for myself, sometimes I'll think, do I really want to drive 20 minutes to the Y to do an 8 a.m. class? And then I say to myself, yes, that's why you retired. So you have the time to do these things and you can make a priority for your health and fitness that maybe took back seat when you were working full time and raising a family and, and doing more things for your family, you know, especially for, for women as in this age group. Sure. Well, despite our uh, denials, our bodies, of course, are changing as yes. we age. What are some of the ways that we need to adjust our nutrition and our exercise to accommodate or maybe even compensate for the ways in which not just our lifestyle are changing, but our actual bodies are changing? And maybe we could start with nutrition. Sure. Uh, I think one of the things that I hear the most from people, especially women, is that they, um, even though they're active and they say that they're eating as healthfully as they were before, they see some body composition change. And that's very normal. We're going to have a little bit more body fat, uh, maybe not as much muscle mass, but there's something we can do about that. Um, so I think when we're thinking about our diet and what we should be eating, um, I like to focus on four key areas for folks. The first is, I think we should have an inclusion of all of the energy nutrients. We need some carbohydrates, we need protein, we need fat. Um, I don't advocate uh, no carb or all fat or some of these popular diet plans that are out there. I think that another thing we need to think about, so the second point would be we need to focus on nutrient-rich foods. As we get older, we need less calories. And so therefore, we don't have as much room in our diet for a lot of real empty calorie things. Um, so we want to make sure that we're choosing foods that really pack in a lot of nutrients. I heard one person say, instead of nutrient dense, it should be nutrient intense as we get older. <laughs> and I really like that. 
And the third part is we do need to have a concern for disease risk and management. 80% of older adults have at least one chronic disease and 68% have at least two or more. So we do have to pay attention to uh, whether it's osteoporosis or whether it's um, high blood pressure or uh, type 2 diabetes. And we have to think about how can we use diet to help manage those conditions. And then the last one is enjoyment of meals and mealtime. I still find some people so afraid of their food and so fearful of food um, that they stopped enjoying it. I think that's such a shame because food and mealtime is something that should be enjoyed. You know, even in this time where we're social isolating, uh, we should still get some pleasure and enjoyment out of our meals. I love that you include that as one of your four focuses, that we should remember that food can be a source of pleasure. Um, that's wonderful. But let me, let's back up a minute and talk about, you, you said that um, our calorie needs do decrease somewhat as we age. Mm-hmm. And, and so we'd have less room for those maybe discretionary or recreational calories. And interestingly, though, our protein needs may actually increase as yes. we get older, you know, in order to maintain a little bit more of that muscle mass. And um, so, so that suggests to me that if anything, the percentage of our calories that are coming from protein might actually need to go up a little bit as we age. What's your thought on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one way to, to, to think about it is that um, as we get older, let's say we're trying to maintain our muscle mass, uh, we, we have something that the scientists have called the anabolic Uh, resistance of aging Mm -hmm. muscle, meaning that our muscles don't uh, take up the protein as well as they did when we were younger. So we need more protein to keep that muscle strong and to keep that muscle you know, functioning so we don't lose our muscle mass. Um, so one easy way to do that is just to think about how much protein you're getting at every meal instead of more of a percentage, because most people can't calculate a percentage. <clears throat> but you know, to try to get, depending on your body size, um, 20 to 30 grams of protein at every meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Americans, we tend to have very little protein at breakfast, then we backload all of our protein at dinner. So spreading that out throughout the day, along with doing some resistance exercise, because you still have to do the exercise to keep your muscle mass, but spreading that protein out throughout the day uh, can really help your feed your muscles um, as they're active so that you can take up those building blocks of protein to build and repair muscle. Okay, everybody, you heard what the doctor said, and you've heard that before on the Nutrition Diva <laughs> podcast, but it never never hurts to have that reinforced from somebody even smarter. Uh, <laughs> you also mentioned that we need to pay attention to any conditions that we may be managing and factoring that into our dietary choices, whatever we need to be careful of. And you mentioned osteoporosis. Yeah. And I know I hear from so many women, especially women, of course, they are not the only ones to suffer from osteoporosis, but uh, worried about not getting enough calcium. There's this enormous focus on calcium, calcium, calcium. I kind of suspect maybe that calcium may be a little bit overrated or at least value to the exclusion of all the other things that would contribute to a diet that would be supportive of healthy bones. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like women are are getting enough calcium? Could they be getting too much calcium? I think it would be hard to get too much calcium from your diet, but it would yes. be easy if you're t- taking supplements. Um, and I think what you said at the beginning of that was really important. It takes about 17 different nutrients to make a healthy bone. So yeah, we tend to 
zoom in on just that calcium intake and you need protein to make a healthy bone. So back right. to what we were just talking about, but you also need vitamin D without sufficient vitamin D only 10 to 15% of that dietary calcium gets absorbed. So there's this interplay with many nutrients to make a healthy bone, um, which is why I really like that food first kind of approach um, to, to make sure that you're getting sufficient calcium from your diet. And that can be in a variety of ways from dairy products, as well as some uh, nuts, as well as dark leafy green vegetables, um, so that we can get a variety of nutrients from those foods that also contain calcium. Absolutely. I want to just take a quick break, and then I want to come back and talk a little bit more about exercise. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Chris, you wrote a book um, a few years back about healthy aging um, with Dr. Bob Murray. Now, his training is actually in exercise science. You are, of course, a nutrition expert. So I'm curious in working with Dr. Murray, and I, I know that you did a lot of sports nutrition in your work with your student athletes, so it's not like you were not involved in sports nutrition, but what did you learn about fitness after 50 in the process of writing that book with Bob? I think the thing I realized, and it kind of gets back to a question everybody always asks, what's the best exercise or what's the best diet? And I think what I learned from Bob was that there's no best, that you really need all three things as you get older. You need endurance exercise. So you need to keep your heart and your lungs working to keep them strong. You need the strength training to preserve your muscle mass and your bone health. I think we think just about muscles, but bone's important too. And then we need to really focus on the balance and coordination um, and agility because we tend to lose those things as we get older. And so that's really important to avoid falls or, or prevent falls. So we really look, need to look at all three of those. Um, I think I just thought more about the endurance exercise and, you know, walking or running or things to keep your heart and lungs strong. And I didn't really appreciate uh, the strength training as much or the agility, balance, and coordination. Yeah, I think there's 
probably a need to think about exercise, not just as what is my sport? How do I get my quote unquote exercise for the day? But what are the, it's more like a balanced diet, you know, am am I getting from all the different food groups? Am I, am I eating from or exercising from all the different fitness groups on a regular or even daily basis? Yeah, I think that's a really great way to, to, to look at it because people tend to gravitate to what they like to do and what's fun. So some may um, like dance aerobics. And so they do that three or four mornings a week, but they hate lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Some might just love to live in the weight room, but yet they don't want to do any of the cardio or the endurance exercise. Um, and then they just totally forget about the balance and the um, coordination and agility stuff. So I think it is really important to think about all of those. And, and I think, you know, there's such a variety of things people can do, uh, whether it's yoga or Thai chi, uh, things that can help with that balance balance and agility and coordination. Um, And then also can incorporate some strength moves in there. So there are things that you can do to kind of snack on all of those. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So what do, what do you do? You said you were thinking more in terms of a cardiovascular exercise before, and now you've expanded your repertoire a little bit. I'm just curious, like, how do you get your strength training in? What's your favorite way to do that? Well, when I was a little bit younger, um, I loved going to the Y because they had machines hooked up to little computers that would measure your strength and you could plot it out. Um, and I like routine. So I liked doing that a lot. Um, as I've gotten older, um, I don't tend to do that as rigorously, but I do use TheraBands a lot mm-hmm. and some free weights. And so I think the TheraBands are great because you can increase resistance with those, whether it's just bicep curls or, um, you know, some of the things you can do for shoulder strengthening and shoulder exercise. So I know that I keep those things sort of um, in sight, uh, especially now that we're, we're, we're not as, as, able to get out and do things so that I can get up and, and, and do some, um, you know, dumbbell presses with eight or 10 pound weights just to keep those muscles going. I love to walk. I have dogs, big dogs. So I walk a lot with dogs. Um, and I do love to do, um, uh, group fitness classes. So those are things that I really like to do. I kind of have to push myself a little bit more to do the weight training. <laughs> ah, I see. Well, as you just kind of alluded to, as we are taping this interview, we are still very much going through a global pandemic. And as many regions around the world are now beginning to ease restrictions or look at easing their restrictions in an effort to restart our economies, what about older people? Do they, in your opinion, need to be viewing this re-entry differently? What what sort of questions are you hearing from older adults about how they should be navigating this current crisis and challenge in terms of keeping themselves safe and healthy? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question for these times. Um, And I try to follow the CDC advice instead of my neighbor. And we get a (laughs) lot of that. Well, my neighbor said it was okay to go out. Uh, Well, you know, I think I'd be a little bit more cautious. So I think, um, you know, each community is opening up things in a different way. I know that my YMCA is opening, but but no group fitness classes. They're opening the track to walk or the, the um, exercise rooms for strength training with just a few people at a time. So I'd st- I'd you know really advise them to always follow what the CDC guidelines are um, about exercise. Um, if you can walk outdoors where you live, I mean that's just a wonderful way to get ac- activity. 
Um, I don't know about where everyone lives, but I can tell you that we've had the most beautiful spring we've ever had in Georgia. Sometimes we go right from winter to summer, mm-hmm. um, but yet yeah, we've been blessed with a beautiful spring. So I see a lot more people out walking and enjoying that as an activity. And that's a wonderful activity for older adults. I think on the nutrition side, I'm starting to get asked a lot of questions about vitamin D because we're starting to see information in the media about vitamin D and the virus. Now, these are just associations or correlations. It's not a causation, but there are some reports that people have less uh, severe infection when they have a higher blood level of vitamin D. And there are groups like uh, the International Osteoporosis Foundation that recommend older adults get about 1,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. So I think looking at where your vitamin D intake is, you're probably not going to be able to get a blood test these days for that. But you know, thinking about, are you getting some sunshine? Um, are you able to be outdoors? Uh, looking at how much vitamin D you might be getting from the sun versus the food choices that you have. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. And of course, that's somewhat parallel to um, data that we already had showing that people of all ages with higher vitamin D levels also seem to have lower infection rates with other respiratory, just sort of normal respiratory infections that we see in the winter. So that does make sense. And of course, it is kind of hard to get those levels of vitamin D from foods unless you are living in Alaska and eating only oily fish. <laughs> right. um, and so a combination probably of some uh, moderate uh, wise exposure to sunshine without sunscreen for a few minutes a day. And then, yeah, maybe a supplement. The good news is that vitamin D supplementation appears to be exceedingly safe. Yes, yes. And 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 very inexpensive. And so very inexpensive. That's easy to do. You know, I, you mentioned that, that sunshine piece and um, I think when we're, we really get concerned are those folks who are in assisted living or nursing homes who yeah. cannot get outdoors. Um, my mother-in-law turned 90 this week. She's in assisted living and we couldn't visit her, but we went and looked through the glass <laughs> at oh. her. Um, but the last couple of weeks they have started taking one resident outside for 30 minutes a day to sit in the courtyard. So I'm glad that they're thinking about that, um, not just for the vitamin D, but I was just going to say general aspect of of being outdoors and how good that can make you feel. Absolutely. Hearing some birds sing and feeling some sun on your skin. It's, it's a lot more than just vitamin D. Right. Right. You know, we started out our conversation talking about how um, today's generation of older adults is definitely experiencing aging differently um, and sort of like refusing to to <laughs> age, you know, determined to do what they can f- with fitness and nutrition to stay healthy longer, to enjoy that extended lifespan with a high level of health and function. I'm curious if you see that there are people who are being left out of the healthy aging revolution, are there populations that are not experiencing old age in this new way? You know, absolutely. And I think it plays into things that we're seeing with the virus. There is uh, great health disparities in this country. Uh, There are uh, a growing divide between the haves and the have-nots, people that have the money and the ability to get good health care. But we're seeing that that's really a problem for many, many people. And sometimes that's uh, people in lower socioeconomic groups and and, um, uh, people of color. So we definitely are seeing those disparities. Um, You know, along with that, we see that a lot of older um, adults 
grandparents are helping to raise their grandchildren so that they're not having the same opportunities for leisure time um, or the free time that a lot of people have to be active. So I think this whole virus is really putting a light on something that all of us in the healthcare industry have known for a long time in that there are a lot of health disparities, um, especially as we age, it makes it even a little more visible. Yes, you're sort of echoing a comment that a guest a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we were talking about food supply. Um, it was Dr. Garrett Grady Lovelace from American University, and she was saying that the, the virus has laid bare pre-existing vulnerabilities and inequities in our food supply and distribution and production system. It's interesting. It's really been a, a spotlight on a lot of things, hasn't it? Absolutely. And I think we're seeing that with um, people who, who are getting the infections and the severity of the infections, not just underlying health conditions and age, but that whole idea of, of access to care, um, access to good quality preventive care, including vaccines, um, that many people aren't doing because they, they don't have good health insurance. Right, right. My guest today has been Dr. Chris Rosenblum. She's a registered dietitian and the co-author of Food and Fitness After 50 and the author of the Fit to Eat blog, which focuses on healthy aging. And that can be found on her website, chrisrosenblum.com. And of course, we will have links to Chris's website in our show notes for today. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Monica. I enjoyed it too. And, and I know you're not quite there yet, but happy Older Americans Month. <laughs> <laughs> Older than whom? <laughs> well, I look forward to the next time that we can be together in the same room. Me too. Thanks, Monica. The Nutrition Diva Show is produced by Nathan Sems, edited by Karen Hertzberg. Our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Michelle Margulis, Morgan Ratner, Emily Miller, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening and remember to eat something good for me. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.